The Talk of the Street is brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today. You lied! Strictly speaking, I did not. It is cancelled in my diary. Then you're right, of course. Perhaps I should tell her. No, I'm just kidding. You're trying to protect her. Well, don't get all angsty. I do not angst. Merely question. You do so angst. You're an angsty. I'm not sure there's any such word. Oh, well, there is now. Boy, cropper the angsty gangster. <laughs> to episode 94 of The Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that thanks to Mary Tart on Twitter, can't help but wonder how Bethany needed a van to leave the street, Ali needed an inadequate trunk of an Audi TT, and both of them were able to pack up their shit in less than 12 hours. I'm Gavin. And I'm drinking the tears of billionaires. <clears throat> if only. Mm. Sweet, sweet, delicious tears. As they lose lots and lots of money to the coronavirus. Well, there's Hopefully. a bright side, I guess. <laughs> the, the, the downside is we're all going to die. But but we were all going to die anyway. Right. So <laughs> might as well get it over with. <laughs> no, I am I'm drinking my tea out of my uh, Elizabeth Warren mug that I ordered before she dropped out <laughs> of the race. So, but we're we're short on mugs because they're... People are in the house more often <laughs> than they usually are. You so have an irrelevant mug. Tricky tea. It's it's not irrelevant. Billionaires. Mm. It's it's still good to drink the tears of billionaires and re- remind them who's boss, which sure. is you know the proletariat. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what we like to tell ourselves. Yes, the workers are the owners of the means of production. That's correct. Oh, yeah. that's very very Marxist, isn't it? That's well, that's <laughs> the very definition of Marxism, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> Yeah, we're sorry. My, my that... question wasn't really a question. Yeah, we're sorry. We were a little bit uh, late <clears throat> this week. It's I... another one of those Saturday morning podcasts that we love so much. Yeah, we were selling. Um, thanks. To... We were. Yeah, no, not you and I. You weren't there. No, although you were there briefly to drop me off, because we are down to one car at the moment because the apocalypse wasn't worse. Wasn't bad enough. We had to have a car die yep. <laughs> during it. So the girls and I were out because uh, thanks to the coronavirus, our cookie booth selling season has been cut short a week. So we are really intensely selling. And the troop that was supposed to relieve us at six o'clock didn't show up. So my cookie mom and my co-leader said, let's sell another hour. And because I was dependent upon them as a, for a ride home. There, there wasn't much I could say otherwise. And then we went out to eat afterwards <laughs> to the Cracker Barrel, where it took over an hour to get our food, even though there weren't that many people there. I have a feeling they were working with a very 
small kitchen a, a skeleton stuff. stuff yes. <clears throat> and our waiter wasn't that great. <clears throat> Do you know what our waiter's name was? Uh, Dwayne. Gavin. Oh, <laughs> besmirching the good name of Gavins all over the world. Oh, we had we had an Englishman come to our cookie booth yesterday. Oh, you did? Yes. Yes, he and uh, his wife were leaving the Walmart and their box of wine fell out of their cart. So I shouted over... Their box of wine. <laughs> I shouted over, oh no, save the wine at all costs. And they started laughing. I said, you know what would go really well with that wine is some Thin Mints. So they came over and they bought some and, and he asked how much they were. And Sally went, oh, you have an accent. <laughs> and he said, oh, so do you. <laughs> Which is great. That's what I take to do. And then she said, oh, well, my... Uh, my, my stepdad is Scottish, and he said, well, we can still be friends. <laughs> it was so cute. <laughs> and then he Chief, bought... But a bit of a prick. Yeah, he bought four boxes, so <laughs> we're happy. <laughs> so that's it's, it's all my fault that we're coming to you late. Well, that and Gavin at the Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Gavin at the Cracker Barrel. Gavin at the Cracker Barrel. Uh, there's an episode name. Mm-hmm. So I bought you a Kit Kat to make up for it. And that kind of made up for it. I do like a Kit Kat. <laughs> you it's do? the thing that's closest to, well, what I remember a British Kit Kat to be like. Uh-huh. It probably doesn't taste anything like a British Kit Kat at all, but yeah. but my brain thinks it does. So. Right. So, so I kinda, it helps. I, I find it quite a, a comforting yes. bit of chocolate. I don't eat chocolate at all. No. But when I do eat chocolate. It's a Kit Kat. It's a Kit Kat. Yes. So yeah. Exciting times. <sighs> so much has changed in the world between what? last week it's and this strange, week. Strange week it's been. It's yeah. Our kids are out of school. All of our events have been cancelled. I've been sent home from work for quote the foreseeable future. Yes. End quote. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Our company is. We're going to get another monitor because there's no way in the world I can work with one monitor for right. three weeks, and you probably want that. And we're going to argue about who gets the desktop. No, I will the take laptop. the laptop. <gasps> I will take the laptop. These are trying times. <laughs> I will take the laptop. It's been very hard for me to get any work done anyway. And I we're going to have to figure out something because uh, both of the kids at some point are going to need a computer to get onto Google Classroom and do some of their schoolwork. And Steli has her laptop, but Benny's laptop isn't working. So... <sighs> The world, what the world needs right now is good fucking podcasts. So let's give the world the best Coronation Street podcast Amen, we can do. Amen, brother. Right on. Oh, I'm exhausted now. Yeah, me too. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give me some of that apocalyptic Corny news. In an interview yesterday, Nathan Graham, R. James was asked about how the show is addressing COVID-19, and he said they were taking it day by day. So it sounds like production won't be shutting down anytime soon. Nathan was being interviewed about his storyline alongside real-life gay rugby player Keegan Hurst, who has been assisting the show in in, uh, writing the storyline and everything about what it's like to be an out gay athlete Mm -hmm. and what it's like to be a closeted gay athlete. Um, And Fort Rugby. Hearst said, in response to the to the uh, COVID-19 question, that the Rugby League doesn't have enough fans to constitute a large gathering for concern. <laughs> Which is 
I think was a joke. I'm not sure that's true. Yeah, I don't think that's true. Rugby league is insanely popular in the right. north of England. Yeah, it, it was a joke. It was a, he, he was making light of it and everything. It's gallows humor to get over it because uh, according to our our British friends who we have spoken to in the past few days, it doesn't seem like the British government is is taking this all of this very seriously. <laughs> The Scottish government seems to be taking it more seriously than the than the than London. I have thoughts on this that I'm going to keep for our political podcast, <laughs> which we don't. Which have. we don't do. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of uh, Jurgen Klopp getting asked his opinion of the coronavirus, right? And he said, "What the fuck are you asking me for? I'm a football manager, right? Don't be so stupid." And then, 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 then that video clip of him telling fans to put their hands away are they fucking crazy i love that i love that it's like no i'm not gonna fucking high five you what is wrong with you people it's like that press conference yesterday where our beloved president shook hands with everybody else on stage like what are you doing you fucking moron political podcast <clears throat> I think it's safe to say. Anyway, <clears throat> carrying on. Oh, terrible tickle in my throat. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> it's morning. I have a tickle in my throat in the morning. Uh huh. Sure. Drink your water. According to Geraldo, water kills the coronavirus. Yeah, because it, it, it puts <laughs> it in your stomach. Right. Where the acid kills it. Right. Again, why is anybody asking Geraldo? I don't think anybody's anything. asking Geraldo anything. I think Geraldo is just giving his opinion. What a moron. And again. What a fucking moron. No. <laughs> anyway. Timbot4000 says this does not compute. Oh, early intervention from Timbot4000. <laughs> Corey won big at the annual Television and Radio Industries Club Awards, nabbing the soap of the year. So, huzzah. Oh, yes. Where was this? This past week. Huh? Corey Are you stars. Sure? Yes. Corey stars later on celebrated by going to the Back to the Future musical. Sure. Because why not? Finally, in outdated and sad news, we, as we learned that Lisa George did not make it to the semifinals on Dancing on Ice. Yes, we should have reported on this a few weeks ago, <laughs> but we can't get Dancing on Ice here. So. We have the internet, though. So. We're a bit slow. Apparently, she had a really bad fall at one point, and we hope she's healing well. Congrats to her for an exceptional run, because she made it right up to the semifinals, she and was, that's pretty impressive. She was reckoned to be finalist material, but I think yeah. the fall knocked her confidence a little bit. And 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 injured her very seriously. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, And that's Corey News. <laughs> we who are about to die salute you. Her mailbag. <clears throat> Chris wrote in to say, in my capacity as the founding and only member of the Hindsight Connor Preservation Society, <laughs> I offer the following snippets of information. Jenny Connor joined Corey in 1986 as the late Alan Bradley's troublesome daughter, and at that point I'm guessing she was supposed to be somewhere around 14 to 16 years old. That would make the character now 48 to 50. Maybe you should have saved that <clears> for <throat> Hindsight Connor instead of, cor- uh, instead of her mailbag. No. <laughs> I have stuff for Hindsight Connor, that's fine. Oh, okay. Sally Ann Matthews herself is 49. Emma was comically way off the mark, of course. Johnny Connor, according to Corey Wickey, was born in July 1953, making him 66. The actor Richard Hawley, not to be confused with this Sheffield songsmith and former pulp member of the same name, 
is 65. G says, Chris, I need to get out more. And he signs off <laughs> the president of the HCPS, a bloop, 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 bloop. Aw. Bloop, bloop to him. <laughs> Kathleen on Facebook writes, Adam makes a snarky comment to Nina and Roy's, but Sarah walked up the aisle to a Cure song, which Nina equated with what everyone thinks goths are associated with. Oh, the ironic circle the writers write. Yes, we found that amusing as well. We did, yes. Mm. it, Connor. A blue, 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 blue. I finally could be bothered to work out which Stark kid got killed. Ta da! <laughs> Do you mean, know yet? Almost all of them got killed, but three, so. But the one that we were talking about was about the one that the was killed yes. by. Uh, by the bastard. In the, in the Battle of the Bastards. Ramsey Bolton during yes. the Battle of the Bastards, and his name was. Started with an R, didn't it? <laughs> yes. What was it? Royston. Royston. No, it wasn't. It was Rickon. Rickon. Okay, yeah, that makes more sense. Royston is the name of a street nearby us. And also Roy Cropper. Oh. Well. Rickon. Yes, that sounds that sounds right. No, it is right. I know. It doesn't just sound right. It, it is, is right. right. Where does Ryan live? According to Corypedia, Ryan still stays at 9 Victoria Court, which is where Michelle and Robert lived. Now, this was... And that's probably why... If Ali had any furniture there, he didn't take it with him when he left the show. Because Ryan still needs it. This was Robert's flat, I think. Well, maybe he left it to the boys in his will. Which we never got to hear. No, and we never got a funeral. Did we not get a... We never we got a funeral get, for Robert. didn't get a Robert funeral. There was no funeral for Robert. Are we to assume that he what? hasn't yet been buried? No, I think it. I think he's been buried because I think Tracy makes an offhand remark about the funeral. We didn't get to see a funeral. No, that makes me speculate whether or not there was some bad blood when he left the show. Because that's what tends to happen if, if writers don't like an actor. Oh, I don't think so. Hmm. I and think he was just a shit character. Fun, fun to speculate though. Hmm. Hmm. Manchester to Glasgow. Mm-hmm. I said I thought it was about 100 miles. It's not 100 miles. 216 miles. Yeah. It's three and a half hours right up the M6. Yeah. Onto the M74. Bada bing, bada bong. Bada boom. You're there. That doesn't sound very far at all. That's like from here 216 to... 216 miles. That's like from here to... Detroit and back, basically. Yeah. That's not bad. It's not a triple eight to make. Hmm. I'm going to go a long distance. I want to go a long distance. I don't right. want to do 200 miles. Let's do 800. 800 miles. It's kind of the way we are. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. You're much more handsome. <laughs> Just enough time to quickly talk about David Scissorhands. <laughs> Can you remember what that was? It was about David. And his <laughs> what was your hands. first clue? Because he's a hair cutter. This is Carla blittling Nick for spending so much time setting up his hipster barbers with David Scissorhands. Ah. I was Gavin, and you never wanted to see another cookie for as long as you lived. <laughs> How did that work out for you? Yeah, I'm about at that point now. <laughs> 
we had had a fun week and started doing SpongeBob Squarecast a year ago <gasps> this week. Wow, SpongeBob Squarecast is coming up on its year anniversary, and we're still in season one. It's <laughs> crazy. Well, you're you're still in season one of SpongeBob. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Are you doing seasons? You're you're in season two of the Squarecast. I'm calling it season two because we stopped yeah, for the you summer. Yeah, because took a hiatus in the summer when Steli was no longer here. Right. And then she came back, and you did season two. I kind of hoped. We 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 went for a month before she left, and we didn't do it. Mm-hmm. I think that's why it's taken more than a year because there's only forty-one segments in the first season of SpongeBob. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is anyway this by is, the by. Right. Yes. Listen to the SpongeBob Squarecast, folks. Gav and Steli are delightful. Quite delightful. Yes. Inexplicably, our celebrities who shared the initials RP was still a thing. <laughs> Uh, Michelle, I loved that segment. Oh, I, I did to start with, <laughs> and I grew to hate it, and I grew to hate that theme music. <laughs> it went on far too long. <clears throat> Says me, who has 40 seconds off last year tonight. All right. Do you want to hear the quiz music for our SpongeBob? Yes, because I haven't, I haven't heard any of the Patreon episodes. So we have a quiz show on our Patreon episodes for SpongeBob, and the, the theme tune goes like this. How good is this? Don't we use something like this for something else? Nope. <laughs> How good is this music? And and so on and so forth. <laughs> Michelle takes a football to the boobs and loses a baby that didn't exist in the first place and then goes on about Rory for a bit and then leaves Robert. All that happened in a week. Wow. Robert starts to blame Carla for everything. Right. That was fun. Carla is the coronavirus of Coronation Street. Evelyn polishes a car window with knickers that don't belong to the mother of twins. Lolly yes. goes psycho? Mm-hmm. Ma- oh, Lolly. I miss her. Mary is planning a one-woman show that never amounts to anything. Yeah, well, we never get to massive see Massive disappointment. That. Yeah, we never get to see the one-woman show. That makes me sad. Our moment of the week was Evelyn working in the garage, and our boring moment of the week was Bulgarian workmen playing football. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street, this time last, last year. year. Bum, you know, it's funny, when I'm doing Cory News and I type into go- Google Coronation Street, like a million articles about the coronavirus come up first because they they share the first <laughs> five letters. Right. The Coronation Street virus. Yes. Shall we dive in? Yes, please. Oh, my dear. Yes. <laughs> yes, please. Let's go. Our first storyline tonight. This morning. <sighs> I'm not doing this deliberately. No, I know you're not. <laughs> this morning, tonight. That'll be our next show. <laughs> I'm rolling up my sleeves or because... Tonight, this morning. I think it'll help me focus. <clears throat> my sleeves are short enough. Oh, you're wearing your jammies. Yes, I am. That wasn't... My Seattle jammies. God, that wasn't yesterday. No, that wasn't yesterday. <laughs> when was that? I was in Seattle in... Like five years ago. If not a little more. Maybe mm-hmm. six years ago. It was about five years ago. So, we're thinking uh-uh. of you, Seattle. You are in our hearts. As is the <laughs> epicenter of the coronavirus in the United States. And also the home of my brother. So, okay. yet another thing to worry about. <clears throat> Coronation Street, y'all. Woo! 
<laughs> Our first line tonight is the Joker with a haircut. <laughs> he got his haircut. Yeah, and he, he didn't get it cut enough. No, he got a haircut, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that's looking so much better." And then as the and week not, as the week progressed, it kept getting more and more clown like. <laughs> the crazier he got. Do you like, think I was deliberate? I think so. I hope so. I hope like that his was hair deliberate. was a metaphor. Well, hair has been a metaphor on the show before, hasn't it? Has it? I think so. My hair isn't a metaphor. Yeah, because remember... Um, My hair's getting quite long, actually. I need a cut. No. It's getting very Hollywood bad boy. Yes, yes. You look like a rock star. Keep it like that. <laughs> Two more weeks of that, you'll be Brian May. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Stelly loves Brian May for some reason. The thing is, I'm going to have to cut it myself because I can't trust you because you fucked it up the last thing. I fuck it up once and you can't trust me. No, no, because you'll fuck up again. That's fine. I don't want to cut your hair. You should, anyway. you should do Benny as well in the process. He's, Bless him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's, he's starting to look a little like Ali. <laughs> anyway. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Ali. <clears throat> On Monday. Imran and Craig are ready to for their first run. Woohoo! We get so much Imran and Toya this week. We do. It just, it, I was quite pleased by that. It it makes me so happy. Imran sprints off and Craig is already struggling to keep up. Then Maria and Gary are discussing weddings on the street. Gary is distracted by seeing Ali and Ryan further along and he arranges weddings to meet Maria and Spidal later. Weddings on the street. Keep going. Only if you stop. <laughs> At the community garden, Imran fakes an injury. He's forgotten how much he hates running and suggests that the two of them go to the movies instead. Craig, though, will not be led astray and he continues alone. So what, what's, Mr. The, what's the point of this? Mr. Um, Mr. I'm in the peak of male physical health. <laughs> it's like, oh, my leg. Imran slash Charlie DeMello. Uh-huh. It does not look like he's a stranger to the gym. No. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> Sharon drops in to see Gary and pick up that client list thing. Gary wants Sharon to teach Ali a lesson, make him lose everything. This can't be any old beat him up thing. No. Gary wants something a little bit more permanent. Yes. And I'm not sure how this works scientifically. I, I might have had a stroke during... Monday's episodes, but I didn't see anything happen with Ali in the pub. Sharon is. Did you see Sharon standing right next to him? No, I didn't. Okay, so, so yes, I'm, you I'm must to, have. I'm going to mention none of that, right? Because I didn't see it, right? So at the bit where it happens, yeah. Please jump in. Okay. Craig is getting a coffee at Roy's Rolls. Toya comes in and wonders where Imran's got to. Craig claims that Imran was so much faster, so finished quicker, and Toya. <laughs> Smell she, the rat. she smells some bullshit here mm-hmm. and senses that something's up and Craig buckles under the pressure and says that he went to the movies instead. <laughs> Ali catches Maria on the street and explains that Gary's sniffing around about the two of them because sure. Ali suspects that Gary knows that they got their hole off of each other. Yes. And Ali is under the impression that Maria is still in love with him despite oh, Maria saying several times... That that's not the case, and she wishes it never happened. They're they're pushing the crazy train with him a little too hard, I think. In the Rovers, Toya advises Ali to move on, but Ali doesn't look like he's about to do that. Nope. Is that what happened? 
He was talking to, he was there with Ryan, I thought, when okay, it happened. So maybe a bit later then. So Gary and Maria meet up as planned. He's a bit weird, but then gets into Maria's wedding magazines. Gary wants it to be expensive and amazing, and Maria, cha-ching, is totally up for that. Then Gary gets of a call from Sharon is. saying, it's sorted. Huh. Hmm. Then Craig is around to see Ali about his health regime, but Ali is behave- behaving really weirdly, sweating and repeating himself, and he takes Craig's blood pressure. Oh, oh so this, this right, did so happen. must have already happened. Right. And then falls flat on his face. Yes, when Ali is in the rovers, we don't, we don't, I don't think we actually see anything going into his drink, but we do see Sharon kind of right next to him. And I was like, oh, that's weird. That's interesting. Why is Sharon there? And then when he goes like all fuzzy, that's like, oh, they must have put something in his drink. But scientifically, for, for him to be, for it to be like all pounded up and put in his beer, first of all, I would have thought he would have seen that because it's not like it would have been a clear liquid. It would have been like crushed up pills, wouldn't it? Because that's, cause that's what he was taking. He was taking pills and that's what they find in him. Is the um, what's it called? Diazepam. Diazepam. Uh, uh, Valleys, basically. Yeah, and those are pills. Yes. Are they liquid inside a capsule though, or are they? No, I think they're like actual actual pills. You've I taken think... Valium, so you know what, what we're talking about. <laughs> Valium is not my opiate of choice. Thank you very much. You I'm, did though. I'm not like a fifty. I'm not like a 1950s housewife. You Thank did you though. Very much. When you were in the hospital that time, you got Valleys. Uh, which time was that? The uh, cancer time. No, cancer time. I don't remember very much about cancer time. You got Valium and you were quite, quite happy with that. Thank mm. you very much. I think, I think, I thought there was um, morphine. Oh, you probably got that as well. But yeah. you asked for a painkiller and they give you Valium. Oh. So that, yeah, so that was like a, that was like a big horse pill, but it was like a pill pill. So like a compound thing, not a liquid thing. No. I don't know. I would imagine it would fizz. Yeah, I think it, the head would just blow out. Well, it's, it's, not putting off, it. it's not putting off mento into Coca-Cola, I don't think, but I would expect some kind of reaction. Yeah, there would be some sort of reaction. The taste would be off. You would think Ali would have noticed something like that if his beer is all of a sudden a lot more bitter than it was two seconds ago. <laughs> right. I, you know, with it being all crushed and stuff, I would think that it would take a bit longer to take an effect. I think the beer would, would quicken the effect of it. The alcohol, wouldn't maybe, it? Maybe, but it just, none of this makes any sense, is what, I'm, is what I'm saying. Especially for him to... Timbot4000 says this does not compute. Well, that's official then. For him to, like, read... And re- Timbot4000 is a doctor. For him to read... So, Yes. He knows what he's talking about. Yes, he's our uh, coronavirus <laughs> doctor. <laughs> he's taking he's taking our swabs right now as we speak. Um, yeah. <laughs> but for him to have like such a strong reaction and collapse and have to be hospitalized for an overdose. I don't know, man. Okay. I don't know. Well, your objection has been noted. Thank you. So Craig gets uh, Dr. Gadas to come in, call an ambulance, she says, and Toya, who's also there, announces to the room that she thinks that he's taken an overdose of diazepam. Mm-hmm. No- Apropos of nothing. Nobody's asking you, Toya. Nobody, yeah. Keep your mouth shut. Well, her office is there. That's why she's there. But nobody's asking her. No, no. Craig's not saying, what do you think's happened to 
Ollie here who's right, and he's, the floor. he's just you know he's collapsed, so it could be anything. Anything really. You can't just immediately. Toya's done this before. Jump, and I mean it. it Toya phoned Ali and said, "Where are you? You're, you're supposed to be at this meeting with mm-hmm. the medical council. I hope you haven't taken more diazepam." Right. And left that voicemail that Gary then managed to intercept. Right. Remember? Yeah, I remember. Toya's not very good at keeping her fucking mouth shut. <laughs> so, Gary and Maria are going home from the lunch when Maria and Gary see Ali getting loaded in an ambulance. Craig, a policeman, doesn't have any problem telling Maria that Ali's taken an overdose of diazepam. Right. Which they don't know yet. Nope. Nope. They haven't had a chance to do any blood work. That's They've right. They've gotten but, him stable but and knows. put him in the ambulance. At home, Maria texts Ryan to see if he knows anything. Gary is concerned that Maria cares. And she goes off for a lie down and Gary calls Sharon, wondering what the hell happened. If Ali crocs, then this is all on her. Yes. Ryan's at the hospital thinking it's unbelievable that Ali's back on the drugs again. Ryan thinks Maria has blood on her hands about this. And back home, Maria can't settle, so she goes out to get something for her tea, she says. But she's not really going out for something for her tea. Yeah. Gary makes it clear that he knows that something is up. Something is going on. Ryan and Toya are sitting with an unconscious Ali when Maria shows up to see how he is. Ryan isn't impressed and accuses her of being the reason that he's in this mess. Does she get a thrill out of this, says Ryan. And he's got to make sure that Gary finds out about the dalliance. Mm-hmm. So Maria leaves. Yes. She gets home. Gary makes sure that Ali's not dead. Maria takes a deep breath and comes clean to Gary about getting a hole of a valley on Valentine's Day in the barbers. Mm-hmm. She's, She's like, you're going to hate me. She explains about thinking that he that Gary had gone back to being a loan shark. She wasn't thinking straight. She thought it was all over between them. She regretted it as soon as it happened because it turned out that Ali's got these weird bird tattoos on his chest. <laughs> and he's not very good at the sex. <laughs> and with him le- above you looking like the Joker, yeah, it didn't no. work for her. <laughs> if Gary wants to end it, she wouldn't blame him. He doesn't answer. So she goes to pack, leaving her ring on the table. Mm. It's like being in an Alfred Hitchcock film, like having sex with Ali. The birds? Yes. Or Vertigo? <laughs> or North by Northwest? What a crossover of all three. Okay. <laughs> Either way, you're left screaming, and not in a good way. Oh, <laughs> and Psycho. <laughs> and run into- Emlyn and Toya are chatting about Ali. She reveals that she's been given Ali therapy. Well. Not, not well. And, and thinks, not officially either. You know, unofficially in the pub as a friend just listening. Mm-hmm. So she's not officially giving... She hasn't officially given him any sort of advice as a medical professional. Just as a mate. So that shouldn't be illegal. There should be no problem with that. I think the only thing that she's ever told Ali is to tell Maria mm-hmm. how he feels. Which, which he never does. Which he has done. Well, he has done multiple times, and she said, her, n- "No, thank you." No, well, she told him to tell to come clean about the drugs. Oh, and yes. then tell which him she how did. she. Yeah. Well, eventually. Hmm. Well, no, Gary told her, and then Ali had to admit it. Oh, that's different. But yeah, that's very different. Inman thinks this is a massive conflict of interest. That's not the half of it. She lied for him as well. But Gadas doesn't know for sure, but probably suspects. So this is her coming clean about lying to the medical people. Oh, that's right, with the interview. Where are you? Blah, blah, blah. Taking drugs. 
Maria's <laughs> packed. She'll come back for the rest later, she says. Gary asks, why Ali? And Maria promises that uh, there have been no repeats. Gary says he's hurt, but he can't be a hypocrite. They've both made mistakes, and he asks her to stay. He doesn't why want to Ali? lose her. He gives her her ring back, and they smooch. And Maria says, if Ali doesn't pull through, she'll never forgive herself. She has a thing for guys with bad haircuts. That's why, Gary. That's why. They're both bad haircuts, but they're bad for different reasons. Yes. <laughs> they're both uneven. I'll give them that. I, I'm saying this as a, as a man who desperately needs a haircut. You don't desperately need do. a haircut. I do. You My don't. hair's like it's an like, inch long. It's like three quarters of an inch. Maybe. And that's fine. F- forgive me if I inflate inches <laughs> in my head. You have you have so little to begin with. It's fine. Back at the hospital, Ali wakes up. What's he doing here? And Ryan explains about the overdose and asks if he did it on purpose. Ali says that he didn't take anything, but Ryan says the toxicology says different. Ali says he's fine and clean, and he has no idea how the diazepam got into his system. Who Who's sharing the toxicology report with Ryan? <laughs> Ryan must be his his uh, emergency contact. He has no one else. Right, even though they're not blood. On Wednesday, Maria tells Gary that she's lucky to have him and they arrange to meet for lunch. Maria goes into Roy's Rolls and learns that Ali's fine and will be let out today. What a relief, she says, for Ali. Yes. Ryan's brought in some clothes for Ali. Ryan's still not believing Ali when he says that he's clean. But he says he didn't overdose, he was drugged, his drink was spiked, and Gary Windass is suspect number one. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't Gary, then he must have got someone else to do it. Ryan eventually concedes that Ali thinks that he's telling the truth, but then calls him paranoid. Ali says, I'm going to prove this. Dr. Gadas. <laughs> I, I like Dr. Gadas. You do. But she's kind of interfering, isn't she? Or is she just... Playing it right with a straight bat. I think. I think. I think. There's. A, I think both are true, in in different aspects. I think she. I think she jumps. She jumps to conclusions. To yes. conclusions very quickly, and is very. Because, we which we saw with the whole hope thing. She jumps very quickly to a conclusion right. that if she stopped and she looked at her own records. She'd know that that's not that those bruises aren't possible because mm. she saw the child the same day and didn't see any bruises. <laughs> so, anyway, she yeah. goes to see Toya to talk about Ali. When did she spot the signs, or did Ali confide in her? She says neither. She was just guessing he had an overdose, and Gadas is amazed because Toya was right and even got the drug right. It was diazepam, mm-hmm. which is why she kept your mouth shut, Toya. This is the reason. Well, I think she was trying. She was afraid that he was going to die. Toya confesses, and Gadas thinks that Toya should go and maybe work somewhere else. In other words, you're fired. Well, yeah, it's, and I'm not quite sure how ethical that is to fire her, because she doesn't confess that she lied to anybody about it. It was just well, I knew that this was going on, but there's like confidentiality. If 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 we're taking this seriously that she was, you know, hearing him as a professional. But there's also, well, he's my friend and we were just talking over drinks and it didn't, it wasn't professional. So it should not affect my professional life. She wasn't paid for it. No. no. Outside, Gadda spots Ali and calls him into her office. 
This is seen by a smiling Six. Gary from his van. Five minutes. And in the <laughs> in the office, Ali explains that his drink was spiked and he wants time to prove it. But Gadas doesn't care. He's suspended and she's going to report him because she has no other option. Angered, Ali storms out and sees Toya, who knows who he knows spilled the beans. She says that her trust was betrayed by him too. And then she looks down her nose at him because she thinks that he really is a junkie. So, so, so back up here. Toya, who does not do drugs. I'm determined to get through this storyline. I know, I know. Toya, who does not do drugs, but knew that her friend did drugs, gets fired. Ali, who's the one who's doing, who they think <laughs> did the drugs and had an overdose while working... Doesn't get fired, he just gets suspended. Oh, I know why. Because plot. And penis. Oh, well, yes. There, I, I do still have my billionaire tears mug over here. Ali is battering the door of the furniture thing. It's a furniture thing. What is it? It's a thing. It's a furniture store. It's not a store, though, because it's under a bridge. Well, it's still it's a thing. It's still a store. There's no answer, so he jumps in his car. And very swish, Audi TT. Well, he's a doctor. If you don't mind. Maria, for some reason, jumps in the passenger seat to talk to him. Right, why? <laughs> she wants to know if Ali fell off the wagon because of her. Oh, God, Maria. He says Gary spiked his drink. She calls him mental, but then he drives off, holding Maria against his will. Against her will. Against her will. He wants her against his will. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gary yeah. either spiked the drink or got someone else to do it. And he's, he's going to save her by kidnapping her. And driving really fast around driving the road. Driving off. Imran and Toy are in the rovers, and Imran has given her a hard time for mixing her personal life with her professional life. She sa- he says that she's too nice to operate in the system. Then in comes Gary looking for Maria, but nobody's seen her. No. Because she's still trapped in Ali's car. She's considering herself kidnapped. He says he's trying to help her. We'll pull over then, she says. <laughs> trying to help you. Why can't you see that you love me? <laughs> so bad. Uh, so he pulls over. She wants out, but there's a child lock on the door for some reason. In the front passenger seat that he can't turn off, that he has to get out and open the door from the outside. So weird. Very weird. What are you doing, Audi? What are you doing? <laughs> right. What's wrong with your child passenger locks there, Audi? I think it's a three-door car. I think there's only just two front doors. What? What's the third door? The trunk? Yeah, the hatchback. No. See, we call that a three-door. We would call my Fusion a four-door. Yes, that is a four-door. But the Equinox was a five-door because it had the <laughs> hatchback. It's not really a hatchback, though, because there's no seats back there. No, there don't have to be. Huh. So, interesting. Or not interesting. We'll, we'll have to see Let if the listeners there's decide. enough. Enough there for a common language episode. I don't think we can get 50 minutes out of that. I think we've just done that episode. <laughs> British car makers, American car we've makers. We've just done that episode do, within we the could, talk we, of the street. We could do 30 minutes of British car makers versus American car makers. I anyway, think. so Ali goes round and lets her out and she runs off, basically. Calls him a fucking idiot. Because he is. She probably was very worried that she was going to be raped and killed. Yes, that's no men do not do this <laughs> even if you think it's for the woman's own good do not drive off with them and lock the doors to the car it's not nice women 
don't get into cars with men who are meant obviously mentally unstable and who you've told to leave them alone and who have been stalking you for weeks. Oh, I listened to a true crime podcast yeah, last night. Not that, that. Let's not talk about. No. Not that one, a different one. No. Jesus. <laughs> men. Yeah, seriously. Fuck all y'all. <laughs> Except you. Except for me. Mel, you can fuck Amelia. A flustered Maria gets home and explains what happened with Ali, who blamed Gary for everything. She feels like such a fool for getting in the car to talk with him in the first place, which no. sounds as bad as you think, Maria. Yes. I don't know why I got in the car to talk with him. And he's like, why did you get in the car at all? No. I think she was afraid somebody would see her talking to him, but they would see you in the car too. Outside, Ali sees Gary and Maria and follows them as they walk down to the pub. Gary goes to have a quick word with him, promising that he's calm, and Maria kind of hangs back with Audrey. Ali tells Gary that he wants a word with Maria, and Gary tells him to forget it and tells him to stay away from her. Ali accuses Gary of nearly killing him, and now he's losing his job because of Gary. Gary says mm. he got what he deserved for sleeping with Maria, and he winks and tells Ali to take care of himself. Then Ali proceeds to batter the fuck out of Gary until Ryan and Steve pull Ali off. Which was fun. But not like that. Which is fun. This is the first time Gary's had the shit kicked out of him, really, since uh, since David. Since David did yeah. it. Yeah. Because that's how much of a hard man Gary Vanessa's. David kicked fuck out of him. Oh, no, 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 no. Rick the Chin. Rick the Chin beat the shit out of him, too. Remember that? Oh, yes. Yeah, quite Because he had jam all over his face. Right, yeah. And he's got jam all over his face. And he had to stumble to be... out of the um, stumble out of that back alley and then pass out right. for somebody to find him. Gary calls Ali a psycho junkie and Ali is about to go... Psycho junkie. Kiss kisse. For round two, but is stopped. <laughs> so the police have arrived and are speaking to Gary and Maria. Maria wastes no time in putting all the blame onto Ali. Gary takes some joy from pointing out Ali's history of drug abuse and his stalking of Maria. The police go to speak with Ali while Gary refuses medical help. Then Ali gets arrested and carted away while Gary looks on and smirks. Yes, he does. I'm team Gary in this. You kind of have to be. You have to be. Although, it's Gary's fault that, you know, it's Gary's fault that Ali, I mean, Gary did try to get him to overdose. Right. So. Ali did sleep with his girlfriend. Yes, despite you know Maria what? saying over and over and over again that she wasn't interested. Right. And but you know what? That's not just Ali's fault. That's also Maria's fault. True. And yet and yet Gary wants to put all the blame on Ali and not Maria because he still wants to be able to get off his get his hole off of Maria. Correct. Yeah. Men, why are they? That's that's the why are men? That's the complete motivation. Throw them all out, <laughs> except for you. If it's warm, why not for sits? <laughs> oh dear! I don't know why that came into my head. That's that's awful. <laughs> what are you? Moving on. On Friday, sixteen-year-old boy. Part of me, yes. <laughs> The next day, Gary thinks this should prove to Maria what Ali is capable of, and Audrey gives Gary her sympathies. Yeah, all of a sudden, Audrey is thrown in the mix right. of this. Audrey's thrown into a lot of mixes this week. Ali is suddenly out on bail and chatting with Ryan. He still hasn't had a proper haircut. They head into Roy's roles, and Ali realises that he's unemployed, it's single... Maria doesn't want to see him. ...and has an assault charge looming. He has no silver linings. 
So he's back at the health centre to pack up his stuff. Liz thinks Ali's a junkie through and through. Uh-oh. Nice one, Liz. Ryan once more bumps into Ali, who says that he can't do this anymore. He can't see Maria with Gary. He needs to go somewhere, anywhere. And he says that he's leaving today. Somewhere. And after five minutes, he's packed his life into the back of his Audi TT, mm-hmm. a car ill-equipped to accept the packing of a life. And he and Ryan agree to meet at the Rovers for a fruit juice to say goodbye well, in a little again, bit. Ryan, Ryan needs the stuff in the apartment too. And I, I doubt any of that furniture was actually owned by Ali or bought by Ali. I left Scotland with two suitcases and a man bag. Right. So that's fair. <laughs> it's fair. We did spend like $800 shipping stuff back from your mum's house, though. Was it as much as that? I think it was. It was a lot of money. It was a lot of money. I don't think it was that much. It might have been less, but... There was 12 boxes, though. I yeah. remember that. Yeah. They got back almost as quick as we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was impressive. Although, even though they were all shipped on the same day... They arrived on different days. Yes. <laughs> but thanks to the Alawa Post Office for spending more than an hour with the two of us getting right. all those things trying to figure out packed exactly up the best how. way of getting it done. Yeah. That post office no longer exists. What? What happened to it? They shut it down. Oh no. Later in the rovers, Audrey thinks it's for the best that Ali fucks off. He heads to the bathroom and has to walk by Maria, who of course is there on her own. And so Maria meets Ali out the back and he apologizes for yesterday when he uh, kidnapped her and threatened to rape and kill her. She apologises for how things ended, but she's glad there was a he and a her. What? Why are you giving her? Why are you giving him these? Uh... No. He no, says he no. hopes he's wrong about Gary, and he kisses her cheek goodbye. <clears throat> Ali turns up to see Toya and say goodbye and apologise to her. He's leaving and he won't be back, and he's sorry for making it difficult for her. And Toya forgives him as he leaves. Then Sharon finds Gary in the gunnel and is thrilled to discover that Ali is okay. Sharon needs Gary's help with a client list, but he declines. Maria can't find out about this, he says. Mm-hmm. And later, Carla advises Ali to leave and never look back, then says, see you soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very Carla thing to right. say. Ryan and Ali have an amusing, if awkward, handshake. They realise that they won't see each other again, and they hug. And Ali calls Ryan the best brother that he's ever had, jumps in the car and drives away, seeing Gary and Sharon coming out of the gunnel. And I wondered if he realised that yeah, Sharon was the, was one, the one who... who but, yeah. but nothing comes but of it. But nothing's going to come with it. And finally, Jesus, half an hour later, that's... That storyline done. That's that storyline done. Yeah, so let's crack on. Well, what are your thoughts? You sad to see Ali go? You happy to see Ali go? I'm quite happy to see him go. I'm happy to see him go. I'm sad with how rubbish they've treated that character. They haven't though. done the character justice no. at all. He no. was genuinely interesting to start with. Yes. Had that kind of brooding right. thing going on when he was struggling with his relationship with and, Michelle. And, and, and struggling with his ethics, you know, with, uh, you know, killing that guy to save Ronan, his family yeah. mm. and everything. And just a genuinely interesting and complex character. And then just to descend to a Joker wannabe who's who's ruled by his penis. Mm-hmm. It's just... And Maria's floof. Sad. Well, it's the penis wanting to go into the floof, yes. Mm-hmm. Would you stop? Turn it down, 16-year-old Gavin. <laughs> we would like to see... You want 14-year-old Gavin? No. Or you don't want 14-year-old Gavin? We want 45-year-old Gavin to come I'm back. I'm 46 years old. I, I know, but I want 45-year-old Gavin to come back. <laughs> he was like 10 pounds lighter. I was a good bit lighter. <laughs> I need to lose that again. 
our next storyline tonight is oh, this morning is <laughs> I'm coming out. I'm coming out so you oh, you've done that get one already. Party started. On Monday, I'm Aggie is getting ready out. for her Weatherfield Award thing. She's shitting a brick and doesn't <laughs> want to go. Aggie doesn't think she deserves it. She doesn't. Ed agrees <laughs> for the judges and thinks that she's has earned it somehow. Well, he, she tries to save Robert and kind of faces down the gunmen to do it. Ali saved Hope from a burning building. Yes, but everybody hates Ali now. James sees Danny outside Which Debs. Is a problem. And it's a little awkward. Danny asks James out for a drink at some point, but just as mates. I'm not going to shag you. Uh-huh. At the award thing, Billy is inexplicably hosting the event. Yes, which is nice, because we wanted Billy to be involved in the storyline. James and Tommy O are both big deals with the press, and Tommy O presents the first award, which goes to Agatha. Aggie. Aggie's speech is self-deprecating, and she talks about going back to nursing. Cheers. And that's that. Yes. What a big deal that was. Ta-da! Then James is getting grilled by a journalist. There are rumours going round about his sexuality, apparently. James denies it, but Danny has posted something on his social media about meeting up and... Oh. Sucking them off and stuff. And, and understanding why he can't come out, out at this time. Apparently, it's already trending. Oh, yeah, yeah. James insists that he's not gay, and the journalist says that gay. he should be out. <laughs> yes. I'm not gay. He should be out and proud, but James instead storms off. And he leaves a message for Danny to take down the post. Billy's gaydar must be tingling a linging and yes. seems to be fully functioning, and he says to James that he's there if James ever needs to talk. But James insists that I'm not gay, <laughs> and and Billy makes the point that you know we're 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 a minority in my profession as well, which I don't necessarily think is true. At home, James is frantic with worry. Ed is outraged and thinks that Danny did this deliberately, and James reckons his career is over. Aggie thinks it'll blow over. Ed thinks that James should just deny it. So James sees Danny at the bistro. Why did he out him like that? Danny insists it was an accident. He wanted to come out on his own terms, says James, but Danny's taken that away from him. And back yeah, it was home, supposed to be a private message and it accidentally got posted to his public page instead. Because that happens all the time. Yeah, especially with somebody young enough to understand how social media works. Right. You can understand it if Ken posted something. Right, yes. Yes, that would be believable. Danny. Because my mum has done that to me before. <laughs> She posts something on my wall that I she... I actually think that, my mum did that as well. That, you know, should have been in a DM. Oh, well. She doesn't know how to get any DMs. Mums. Fuck it. Mums. Just post things on your wall. Mums. So, at home, Ed is still concerned about James's career. He needs to go to the gym, though, and it's best to act normal. And later he gets back from the gym and he reckons that everyone has been gossiping about him. And then his phone rings. It's the manager. He wants to see James tomorrow with a member of the press team. So on Wednesday, James is getting mollycoddled from Aggie. He's not looking forward to this meeting with the manager. When Aggie is weird, when the phone rings, she's forced to explain that the newspapers have been badgering them all morning. Right. He just wants to be left alone. So the meeting with the manager and the press officer, for some reason, is at their house. He doesn't have to go into the club. No, they come to him. They come to him. They come to him. They're very, you know... They're they're not mad at him. They're not. They're like, what do you want to do? We they're will do cool. whatever you want to do. No, it's fine, and we will support you. Whatever you want to do, and yet he still is like, I'm not gay. It's like, if, no, no, no. It's all right. It's all right. You're not in trouble. No, I'm not gay. We'll really support you, and this is, you know, no, I'm not gay. It's like, 
this would actually be the perfect time to actually come out. Right. But he's not key. He just wants to go on with his career. The press officer says that in that case, it's best just to let the story die and say nothing. Mm-hmm. But there's one more thing that the manager wants to talk to James about. Mm-hmm. You fancy it, big chap? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the other Baileys are in the pub, anxious to hear from James. Ed fidgets when he thinks, he says. Billy comes over to check on how James is doing, but Ed tells him to fuck right off. Yeah, seriously. Then Michael gets a text from James. He's on Find his way. Your <laughs> James arrives and tells his family that he told the manager that... I'm not gay. Ed thinks that he did the right thing for his career, but Aggie thinks this is all down to Ed putting the kibosh on his relationship with Ed Danny. Needs to this fuck is right off. all your fault. Right. At home, Aggie thinks it can't be good pretending to be someone that you're not. Do you want the boy getting jeered by the whole crowd, asks Ed, and James agrees. Someone else can come out first. And then James says that he's dropped from the next game because he's lost his focus. But what he wants to do is get some hard work done to get back into the first team because Aggie says you're the best player that Weddy County have got <coughs> Tommy O <coughs> right you know and I can see I can see them wanting to I can see the team not wanting to put him out there because people are still going to yell stuff at him even if he has said in the press I'm not gay okay <laughs> so moderation he says it over and over and over again. So he was not moderate. Timbot4000 says this does not compute. That goes for you as well, Timbot4000. <laughs> Moderation. But um, oh, I can't remember what I was going to say because you messed with my head. Um, <laughs> so, so I can understand why they would not want him to play this one. I don't think it's necessarily a punishment, which is the way Ed takes it, that they're punishing him. I don't think that's the case. I'm just curious to know exactly what focus he's lost from one day to the next. No, I don't think he... Ha- when he hasn't played a game. Right, yeah. I think it's He just- went to the gym. That's all that's harmed. Well, and, you know, this whole gay speculation has made him lose focus, apparently. But I don't think that's necessarily what the guy said. I don't know. Oh, it was. He's well, lost his focus. Well, because Because of all this. Because of all this. So, so I can kind of understand it. It does kind of smack a little bit of uh, the whole, well, we're not going to play Colin Kaepernick anymore because it's a distraction. Right. And we're going to drop him from the team because it's a distraction. Mm-hmm. And I hope that that's... Colin Kaepernick, also not gay. Yes. He's not gay. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm... What was your genuine... I can't remember. I'm not being funny. Is it that? I'm not trying to be funny. That's it. Yeah, there we go. I'm kind of down on James after this. I thought he had his chance. He's not been true to himself. But as he's he not been says, true to his community. As 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 he said, you know, he makes valid points that if he's going to come out, he wants to do it on his own terms. He doesn't want to feel pushed into it, and I can understand that. I can understand, you know, not wanting to be the first, not wanting to be the first one. I can under, I can totally understand that, you know, and, and wanting somebody else to be the first, blah, 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 because an awful lot of the speculation in this country about, you know, if, if you read uh, Michelle Obama's book, 
um, autobiography, you know, she talks an awful lot about the pressure that they had being the first black first family, you mm-hmm. know, Obama being the first black president and everything and how all eyes are on you and you, you can't you can't mess it up. And there's there's a lot of pressure in being the first of anything. So I can sympathize with him while also kind of being frustrated that he's not taking this opportunity. I think it's a denial. I think it's fine. There's the sort of don't ask, don't answer sort of thing where it's not, you're just not, it just you doesn't come up. don't ask, don't tell. Don't tell. <laughs> it just doesn't come up. So very British. Don't ask, don't answer. But it doesn't come up, so to speak. Right. You don't just announce, mm-hmm. right? If nobody's asking the question, then why would you say anything? Yeah. Just go along with the status quo up to a point. Right. Up to a point. Right. But if you're directly asked when this has come out, right. to then actually deny it. Right. It's denying yourself. Yeah. But again And I don't know I don't know if it'd be that big a deal these days. There are gonna be some people that are gonna be idiots, but people are gonna be many, idiots anyway. How many I think it's a bigger deal still with athletes than with say actors or musicians and stuff. But I mean, I remember back in the nineties, you know, it being a big deal when Alan came out and was on the cover of Time saying, Yep, I'm gay <laughs> and we're all kinda of like, Yep, we already knew that, right. but that's all right. But you know, when she came out, her show lost viewership, even it though did. everybody knew. Yeah. And oh, and then it, it got cancelled and stuff, her her sitcom. So and I think I think neither one of us really knows what it's like to be in the shoes of someone who is both homosexual and a black man. Hmm. You know, I think Michael Snape probably said it best when he announced that he was sexually ambiguous and just left it at that. Right. (laughs) Which we all know what that means. Right. Our next storyline today. Everyday bat people. (laughs) Ah. Am everyday bad people. That yeah, is a yeah. line from uh, the thick of it. Everyday bad people. Yeah, I think. Uh-huh. On Monday, Nina and Roy are being delightful about bats. She saw a documentary about uh, some so rare bat. I don't know. It was delightful. That's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. The other members of the bat people are meeting at Roy's Rose later, and Nina is very much looking forward to this. Yes. Later, Roy introduces Carla to Herman, David, and Farouk. Yes. And, of course, you know Brian. And Brian's there. Along comes Nina, who is charming to them. Oh, excuse me, a little bit windy pops. But then seems they seem oddly standoffish towards her. Yes. Well, (laughs) it's like when a woman walks into a comic book store, isn't it? Right. During the meeting, someone is saying something boring about bats, and Nina has a suggestion. And Farouk is outraged. He attended the meetings for five years before saying a word. The others don't view Nina as a member of the group, just an observer. And Nina thinks they should make their own bat boxes, and she and Roy go off to bring some samples down. And when but they're she gone, herself. the others express her disapproval at Roy's niece. Right. Oh, she's just one of them them goths who, are, who um, aren't really... goths. Yeah, they're not really into bats like we are. <laughs> the group aren't that impressed with Nina's handiwork. I suppose it'll do, says one of them. Brian thinks <laughs> Nina is good with wood. <clears throat> Brian! <clears throat> and Nina can't wait to go back watching tomorrow night. Roy overhears the other members belittling Nina, not wanting to have her to come along tomorrow night. 
then and they blame it on the goth thing, but really... Because she's a young woman. Yes. The back group are unhappy that Roy hasn't kept on fed and watered like he usually does. He comes back to them and says, oh, didn't I tell you all to fuck off? Yeah. Well done, Roy. Roy is just Roy so fantastic Roy will not here. put up with this prejudice against his niece, and he resigns from the group, and mm-hmm. Brian follows suit in solidarity. Which was lovely. It was lovely for Brian to do that. So I'm guessing we're never seeing Farouk, Dave, and whatever the other one was called, ever again. Which is fine by me. <laughs> Carla is making small talk with Roy, who isn't interested. He's so angry with his friends. They I think find Nina it, is a wannabe vampire. I find it interesting that it's Farouk who wasn't allowed to speak for five years before he was able oh, to give an opinion. Give me a break. <laughs> Carla thinks he's dealt with idiots like this before, but Roy has more important priorities. On Wednesday, at Roy's roles, Carla thinks Roy should show up at the bat meeting to show the others up. Then Nina comes down and is looking forward to tonight, and then Roy says, ah, actually it's been cancelled, but he doesn't tell her why. Carla calls... Carla calls... Carla calls... Carla calls... Carla calls Roy... The angster gangster. <laughs> so she's having she's lunch. She's so good when she's she's so much better with Roy and Nina. You're going to upset people. You're going to upset people. Yeah, there that is. Carla's having lunch with Nina. Nina's pissed because she looked up the back group online and the meeting hasn't been cancelled at all. At all. At all. At all. Why did Roy lie? Is he ashamed to be seen with her? She's used to being thought of as a weirdo, and Carla points out that it wasn't Roy; it was the others. And Roy told them to shove their group and their narrow-mindedness up their arse. Right, right up, up their, their arse. Roy has made vegetable lasagna. Oh, would you stop? Do we go for Nina's Two tea. things back to back. <laughs> Nina confronts Roy about the bat people. She knows the group hasn't been cancelled and he apologises, but he was trying to protect her. She understands why he did it and Roy promises to never lie to her again. So she asks, does my bum look big in this? And Roy doesn't know what to say. <laughs> she that says funny. that she's only joking and then gets wired into the right, vegetable, vegetable lasagna. Yeah, because I think she has a bustle back there, so her bum is supposed to look big. Yes. Do you think the bat people and the knicker people ever wore for territory? Frequently. <laughs> I think it's a very fragile uh, ceasefire that they have going at the moment. Yes. But they probably meet on the red wreck and kick fuck at each other. <laughs> The, the knicker people sew them into little bags and the, the bat people bite them and give them rabies. <laughs> well, Farouk stands oddly silent at the back. With his arms crossed. Right. Saying, it took me five years before I was allowed to bite anyone. <laughs> I love this story. I mean, I, we just love there, there was part Roy of it that Nina. I hated because I don't like people being... I, I feel the kind of same protective way about Nina mm-hmm. that I do about Emma. Yes. So I don't want people to be nasty to her or... Is it me or is her skin getting even more pale? It was it's very pale. It's quite a contrast between everyone else. Mm-hmm. It's just super. Is it? Is it? Is it just that now we see her with like normal people and not just her dad and Roy? <laughs> right. That it's... Like it, Carla, it you mean? obvious. Well, even Carla is... Carla's quite tan, isn't she? Yeah, but she she wears all black and yeah, leather true. and is all broody with her face, even when she's being funny. Is there anything about this that you don't find utterly delightful? I find it all utterly delightful, including the pinafore 
Oh, the wee penny with the bats on it. With yeah, and like the oh, the, the, the ruffled the ruffled uh, straps <laughs> at the top and everything. I just I kind of want one. <laughs> I'm desperately trying to think of a character that I've taken to as well so quickly. Emma. Probably. Yeah. Probably the two of them. Yes. Lolly, I didn't take to, but I liked her as a character. I liked how she was just messing shit up. Yeah. At first, we were kind of like, eh, on Lolly. And then we loved Lolly. Because and then it we was were del- kind of, eh, on Lolly. Well, they, they, the they didn't do Lolly justice in the end. No, they really didn't. But she was good. That, that midpoint, she mm-hmm. was great. Yeah. But Nina's just coming and being. Delightful all the way through. I don't. We love her. I think just Roy is so good with anybody that he's with because he's right. great with Carla. Yes. He's great with Nina. Yes. Oh, just more. David Nielsen, just more of that. What, what a genius! Yes. Our next storyline. If this the morning, show was just Roy and Nina and Carla, I'd watch that. And and um <laughs> and Imran that. and Toya. If it was just the five of them, it would be the best show ever. <laughs> ben Price fan club posted an interesting thing on Twitter about the four people the four you people. would want to be stuck in, and for some reason they chose Oliver, who would be no help at all. <laughs> Just dying. Like, I choose Oliver because he's so cute. It's like, how is he going to help you in a quarantine? He's going to have, you're going to have to stock up on nappies beforehand. Right. Yeah. It's a good question, though. It is a good question. Who did I pick? Imran because he's Imran. Right. Uh, Hope because she's Imran be because he's Charlie, let's be honest. <laughs> and he might bring his dog. Right. Hope because she'd be good at she's starting fires. Fire. Uh, Yasmin for cooking and just being generally right. nice and getting away from Tim's fucking dad. Right. Oh, who was who was my? I don't know. I can't remember who my fourth was. Do you know who my four would be? Go for it. Evelyn. Right. Roy. Uh huh. David. Really? Yeah, because he'd be funny and yeah. snarky. I suppose. And I like funny and snarky. And Mary. Ah, Mary would get my nerves. I'll, I, I'd like Mary, but Mary, Mary has a tendency knows, to get on your nerves. Mary knows how to do everything. Oh, that's true. Mary that knows true. how to do everything. She has experienced everything in her life somehow. Or, or She's vicariously got all through this weird information. I it wasn't wasn't she and her mother in a cult for a short period of time <laughs> in her childhood. Probably. So she knows how to quarantine and to be a a, a prepper. So Yeah, she's a good fourth. Yeah. Mm. Okay, moving on. To Shady Acres. It's not called Shady Acres, but no. I can't help but call it Shady Acres. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's now a thing. Yeah. On Monday, Claudia and Ken are back from Shady Acres. Ken was <laughs> less impressed by but Claudia loved it. Mm-hmm. There's a place that's up for grabs right now and she doesn't know why he isn't excited. Right well, because Claudia, the reason why there's a room up for now is because somebody died. Right. And that just reminds Ken how close to death he is. Right. At the pub, Ken hasn't shifted. If they need an answer now, it's a no, he says. He needs to sell his house first, but Claudia's happy to cover his half in advance if it would put an end to his eternal dithering. Mm-hmm. So Tracy and Steve are making plans in the living room. In comes Ken to announce that he may be moving as soon as this week, and Peter wonders what's going to happen to him and Simon. Oh, no. On Wednesday, Ken... Simon is- will be fine. He has a mother. Yep. Ken is packing up his books. Claudia thinks that he should get a Kindle because they don't have much room in the flat. Oh, go fuck yourself, Claudia. 
books are important. The real ones. What's going to happen in a quarantine if the batteries die and the electricity goes out because there's nobody to keep the electricity running because everybody's in quarantine or dying? Kindle, he needs his books. The Kindle battery lasts for a long time. Shut up, Gav. <laughs> I love my Kindle. It's broken, though. Oh, well. You can use the Kindle app on your iPad. I do, but the battery doesn't last as long. Yeah. Seems Eccles can't move to Shady Acres. <gasps> Aud- Audrey arrives and Ken pops the kettle on, much to Claudia's chagrin, because she wants to get a fucking move on with this packing. I'm really, I'm really upset about the whole Eccles thing. Claudia would love to sit around chatting all day, but she's got measuring up to do at Shady Acres. She insists that Ken gets on with the packing. They're moving tomorrow, for goodness sake. And this knocks Audrey for six. Although she points out that Ken's lived in number one for most of his life, but spent most of that time wishing that he didn't. Mm-hmm. It is that's funny. Quite, that was quite profound, I think. Yes. Later, Ken isn't packing and is still drinking tea with Audrey. Ken reveals that he doesn't know if he's making the right move to Shady Acres after all. Audrey tells him that he needs to speak to Claudia, but Ken has other people to speak to first. So he goes round to see Tracy and Steve. Amy has plans for a small chandelier in her bedroom. Ken wants to chat with them, but Tracy interrupts and promises that she won't fill the house with tat. It'll all be done in the best possible taste. Ken goes to say what he wanted to say, but then Liz interrupts, going on about how much she's looking forward to getting more space in the flat. So Ken decides to keep his mouth shut. Yes. But he's he's sacrificing himself at Eccles for <laughs> for, a, a, for the good of Tracy and Liz. Yeah, for a, a property chain. <clears throat> on Friday... <clears throat> Poor Eccles. On Friday, Audrey and Ken are chatting outside the house. Audrey reveals that Ken feels forced out, although he denies thinking or even saying that. Along comes Peter in his big noisy van with a packet of midget, midget gems. But Ken isn't packed. Simon's off to live with Leanne for the time being. Claudia has issues with Ken's packing. Ken just wants to get to Shady Acres and then it'll all be fine. And he thanks Audrey for being a good friend. Mm. Later, Ken and his old, old hands are petting Eccles. Oh, God, that scene just... That scene kind of broke me a little. It reminded me of... uh, I think it was... It was an away game. Because I was sitting in a stand, mm-hmm. and I don't sit in a stand at Alawa, I stand at the back of the goal. So I was mm-hmm. sitting down, and there was an old guy and his daughter, who mm-hmm. was a little younger than me, maybe in her 30s at the mm-hmm. time. The old guy was 70-something, a little cap on. Mm-hmm. And I could see he had really, really old hands, hands as well. And I could see his old hands from where I was sitting. Mm-hmm. And then he's hands I'm going to say he had a timepiece mm-hmm. it wasn't a watch it's like a pocket but watch it was like a timepiece uh-huh. and he was ready to press a little, maybe like a stopwatch or mm-hmm. something but an old old stopwatch okay and he was ready to press it mm-hmm. to start it when the game started mm-hmm. and his daughter said to him dad you don't need to do that because there's a time mm-hmm. up in the scoreboard up there mm-hmm. and he went oh hi Right enough. And he just put his watch away. That didn't happen. That did happen. That did happen. You know what it reminded me you know what it reminded me of? Of my sad story. Hmm. Well, my sad what it reminded me. I just wanted to time it and she said, yeah. No, you don't need to do that. And he went, oh, right. Yeah, that's not the point. Daughter. Go fuck yourself. Well, he didn't say that. He probably <laughs> thought it. But it you know what it reminded me of? And this is just gonna set you greeting 
for the rest of the episode. Because you know what it reminded me of? It's going to set me green. It reminded me of when we had to put Teddy down. Oh. And then you were you and Teddy were kind of face to face and, and then you were petting him telling him what a good boy he was. He was been. a good boy. He was an awful dog. <laughs> but he, he was, was our the best awful, dog ever. He was our awful dog. Oh, I miss that cinnamon roll so much. All he did was sleep. Well, yes, towards the end of his life, but he was twenty two. He was so old. I remember thinking, though, when we did that. Such a roly-poly. And you have got me crying. <laughs> <clears throat> what a good way to go. Hmm. Yeah. Because it was five seconds. Yeah, it's quick. His eyes were up and out, and he mm-hmm. was out cold, and then he was dead. With, you know, two people who loved him very much. Mm-hmm. Deep as a post, mm. blind as a bat, yeah. but he knew we were there. Yeah. His nose still worked. He mm-hmm. could smell What a good boy he was. He was a good boy. Mm. <sighs> Fuck it. Right, that's it. We're done. <laughs> Join us next week. <laughs> God. Oh. So anyway, Ken with his old, old hands are petting Eccles. Thinking old, about old friendships and being bitten by Eccles at one point. <laughs> All he wanted was companionship uh, from her and others. But Ken has earned Eccles' trust and Eccles looks like she wants to die. Right, because he earned her trust and now he's fobbing her off with Tracy, of right. all people. Later, Tracy arrives and sees Ken asleep in the chair with Eccles and she thought that he'd pegged it. Yes. Later again. I kind of did too. I was like, wait a second. Is this the way he goes? Because it, be, it, be, it would be appropriate for like, he's about ready to move on from number one. When he moves and on. And then he really moves on from number one. <laughs> With Eccles in his lap. What's the address of the pub? I don't know. Because the pub's on Coronation Street, and it's before number one. Well, it's on the opposite corner, isn't it? No, the door's on Coronation Street. The door is right along from number one's Well, door. maybe it's like our house, which is on a corner of one street and another. And the address oh, maybe. is on one The address is on one street, and our driveway is on the other street. If, if, this is going to be hindsight corner next week. I don't want to look up. Some, somebody tell us. What's the address of the Rovers? Christy, <laughs> you know what to do. I'm sure your library is closing down for she, quarantine. She's, yeah, she's working so from home. So you have something to do on your quarantine. <laughs> it's weird that I know that. It's like when you follow people on Twitter, you just find out these little yeah. interesting things about them. Anyway, later, Tracy arrives and sees Ken. Oh, I said that. Yes. Later. Later again, Ken is talking about possessions only conjuring up memories that hold you back, particularly peanut bowls that Deirdre made. In comes Peter, Carla, Simon and Claudia, and Carla is guilted into wanting the bowls, but bequeaths them to Tracy, who promises to look after Eccles. End of an era, says Peter. Claudia gives Ken a moment to say goodbye to the house. Goodbye, number one, Coronation Street, he says, and he grabs the bowls and leaves. Right. Yeah, but not not before Claudia says how awful the peanut bowls are. And Tracy, who said essentially the same thing, said, Oi, my mum made those. Fuck off, Claudia. Ken and Claudia arrive at Shady Acres. And Ken immediately finds a copy of Dostoevsky's The Idiot on the bookshelves, a translation that he doesn't have. This is already beginning to feel like home. Right, because he, he packed three copies of The Idiot and Claudia was all mad. And he was like, well, they're all different translations. And that kind of made me love Ken a little for the first time ever. Did he? It's not that good. Oh, 
Well, which translation did you read? The English one. <laughs> There's a number of English translations. It's no notes from underground. I'll, I'll tell you that for nothing. Well, that's true. It's also no crime and punishment. Or the brothers... Kas- Karamatov. Thank you. You're I'm, welcome. I'm never going to be able to say that. I was going to say Kasparov. <laughs> <laughs> Which is generally considered just, one of the best I, novels I loved, ever written. I love the fact that, you know, they walk in and um, and Ken, whose eyes can't be that good, <laughs> spots this book. Smells like, it. Across the way. It smells it from he a just, mile away. He walks in and he shouts, the idiot! And Claudia's like, that's not very nice. <laughs> it's the book and they meet and they meet another old guy whose whose wife is kind of like claudia apparently i i am this storyline has made me less fond of claudia than i was when she was first reintroduced to oh, the i don't show. like claudia at all at the moment i i used to really her, her love fabulous claudia. hair is cutting no dice with me no she's she's lost her fabulousness by all of this i think a little it's Funny saying goodbye to houses and dogs. Yes. Leaving my mum's house for the last oh time God. was really tough. That was horrible. Pulling that door shut and locking that door for oh the last God. time. That was awful. Oh, dearie me. I never really got a chance to say goodbye to the house I grew up in. No, your mother just sold it. <laughs> my mum my just sold it. And, you know, occasionally we drive by it still when we're at I miss that house. I miss that house terribly. And, or I'll see pictures of it because my, my nephew went to a birthday party there last summer right. and mum took a picture and she's like, look where we are. And that kind of made me a little... She has no emotional attachment to things like that, I mm. don't think. No, my mum is not really attached to, to things. She's, she's not a very sentimental woman. No. Which I'm a... I get my sentimentality from my dad. I'm hugely sentimental about things. Uh, but I'm more sentimental about things than you are because there are a things. lot of things. Things that are mine I'm not sentimental about. Because things if it had been up to you, we would have brought a lot less back from Scotland. There would have been a couple of boxes at, at most. But you managed to pick out the things that actually meant things. Like that little uh, bag piece. Yeah, that was something that you insisted we bring home. But I could quite easily have just not brought that. Or the chihuahua. Or that particular plate. Or that particular ornament. Mm-hmm. You managed to, to eye out the things that, I don't know if they just stood out or you realised that this is something that's going to mean something to me mm-hmm. when I see it around our house. Mm-hmm. Really weird. Anyway. I'm just good like that. Yeah. Winky, winky. And Kit Kats. So, Kit-Kats. our next storyline today, Horrible Mothers. On Friday... Gemma is in the corner shop with Alad looking fucked every way to Sunday. And Rita offers to lend a hand and Jenny jumps in on that action, but Gemma reveals that they have story time at Speeddal today and all the other mums are so nice to her. At the story time, Gemma's falling asleep and the babies have to be rescued by the horrible mothers. They wonder if Gemma isn't coping. They're not actually horrible this week. They're they're not making fun of her or anything. They seem genuinely concerned and, and nice to her this week, whereas last week they were mocking her for... Trying to do yoga in tight white jeans, which, to be fair, I would have mocked as well. The horrible mothers talk about getting au pairs to help out. Gemma doesn't think they can afford it. Maybe your mum can help, says one of them. So later, Gemma leaves a message with Bernie insisting that everything's fine. Just give us a call, but everything's fine. Mm-hmm. It's great. When it isn't. When she's struggling. But is it? She's mm-hmm. really struggling. Yes. 
that's as far as we get with that. Yeah, and it's 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 you know, it's it's funny that both Rita and Jenny, who are arguably better mothers to Gemma than Bernie ever will be, have offered to help her and she's like, No, 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 it's fine. But then she calls Bernie of all people <laughs> to come and help. Go fuck yourself, Rita. <laughs> Next, and our penultimate storyline. Oh, thank God. Toyo's transferable skills. This actually feels like it maybe should have been part of the first storyline, but anyway. It's fine. It's nice to give Toya and Imran their own little spot. Just on a the few scenes on Friday. After losing her job, Toya is looking for new opportunities. Imran says that she has transferable skills and then some other bullshit, and then they get their whole. <laughs> Later, Toya's in Roy's roles, who understands from a phone call that Ollie isn't well. Again. Yeah. Leanne cancels meeting her. Up with her because Ollie's, Ollie's unwell. Do you've planted this wee seed in my head, and now this is all I can hear. It's, it's Ben Price fan page's fault. Let's be honest, because <laughs> they desperately want a horrible storyline for this family, just so there's more. What's wrong with you, Ben, ben Price's fan? Ben Price. Why did I say Ben Page? Ben Page's fan page. <laughs> ben Page's fan price. <laughs> ben Page's fan price. Yes. It's weird that we don't know their name. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's really, it's really. I think it's actually a conglomerate of people, <laughs> one of whom is Ben Price. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Again. Because he doesn't have any social media. Yes, he does. He's part of this conglomerate. <laughs> it's like the Illuminati. Right. That and the Sofa Cinema Club, but he doesn't really do any. It's Colson who does most of the Sofa Cinema Club stuff, I think. Oh, is it? Hmm. Anyway, along comes Nina, who looks on Toya's laptop. Rather rudely, I thought, uh-huh. and sees that she's applying for a job at Amazon. Uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, Storango, whoever that is. <laughs> Nina makes it clear what a shower of shits they are, and Nina and Toya uh, went on a protest the other month, but Evelyn doesn't think that much of it until Nina says that she changed, us, changed herself to the fence for three days. And it was negative four degrees. Impressed, says Evelyn. Yes. I, I love this little, this little bit of Evelyn we get this week. Just then, just there. I was like, why is she there in the background? She's not the type of actress that you would put kind of in the background for just a background scene, especially since she's not in it any any time this week. What is she going to say? I can't wait to hear what she's going to say. She's there for Nina to prove that she don't take no shit from nobody. Right. This is this elevates Nina from practically everyone else in the street. Right. Because she instantly mm-hmm. stands up for herself. Well, we've seen that. Against Evelyn. We've seen that with other people as well. Who? Who? You. When? Christmas tree. Christmas trees. <laughs> Finally, that's taken hold. Yes. So, uh... So, Toya does not apply for the job. And Nina also doesn't take any shite from Tracy in the same scene. Yes. And Toya thinks that maybe Nina has a point. So because rather than apply at home, Toya has uh, donned an apron and has made some fantastic food. Imran is confused until Toya reveals that this is all thanks to Nina. Imran wants to build a nest egg, so thinks that Toya should find herself another job. Doesn't Imran make enough as a solicitor to do them, especially since they share that place right. with two other people? Who have an income, one of whom is an, a business owner, and the other one who's a cop. You'd think, you'd, you'd think that they'd be a, able to squirrel a little bit away right. there, Imran, on your own. 
Unless you're spending your money on something else, Imran. Porn. <laughs> so good and porn. Or puppies. Puppies. Lots and lots of golden retriever puppies. Our final storyline. Tim's fucking dad. Oh, Imran and, and Toya at the end of that is, are, are very cute and, and lovely. And then they get the hole again. Again? Yes. Well. Which is just more of that, please. No. Oh. <laughs> just more Imran and Toya and, and their happy little household with, with Craig and, and Alia. I just, it makes me happy. And then, and then we get this next storyline, which makes me want to kill people. On Wednesday, Tim's dad is still going on about Yasmin's back, which she insists is fine. He thinks that Alia and he are getting on better these days thanks to them having to work together so closely. Oh and this dear. convinces Yasmin to do as he suggests and take the day off. Right. He goes off to work and she just stands in the middle of the room looking like a shell of a person. It's very sad. Tim's dad has got new menus laminated. Customised cuisine, he says. Alia thinks it'll take twice as long to prepare the meals now because people can make their own menu. Right, sort of thing. like they can pick their own sides and stuff, which really doesn't make sense. Tim's dad like wants Alia to promote them. She agrees, and then uh, she sees that another negative review has come in, complaining about the paneer and the service, or her service, mm-hmm. and immediately blames Ray. So Alia storms round to accuse Ray of posting bad reviews online. Ray calls it fake news, and Alia threatens... <laughs> Alia threatens to go to the police, but Ray denies it. He has better things to do than badmouth a competition, and good luck with the police, he says. What are the police going to do? Well... Giving fake reviews on TripAdvisor. Check out the IP address. No crime has been committed here. I don't know. I don't know. So, so, so much of like the internet is still kind of the wild, wild west. But I think, I think there, there, there probably is something about, you know, there's something that about you could giving litigate a bad there. opinion. Well, if it's if it's if it's fake, if How it's, you prove it's if fake? it's one business, well, checking out the IP address for one. I don't think this is a crime. This is bollocks. Carla and Nina are at speed dial perusing the new menu. Carla thinks it's too fussy and wants the old one. She also points out a typo to Alia. Paneer has been spelt wrong. Hmm. This sets a little beer buzz in Alia's head and she goes mm. and checks the menu against the review. Hmm. Hmm. At lunch, Tim's dad is home complaining to Yasmin about the bad reviews. He can see where these reviews are coming from, though. Alia comes round and asks Tim dad, Tim's dad how to spell paneer. She points out the typo and then accuses him of writing the bad reviews and shows Yasmin the same spelling mistake. Coincidence? I think not. Tim's dad obviously denies it and denies wanting Alia out. He suggests the reviews are real. Alia thinks this is ridiculous and asks Yasmin who she believes. Yasmin doesn't believe Tim's dad could be involved. She tells Alia that she can't go around making these false allegations. Alia can't believe it and storms out telling Tim's dad that he needs to work on his smelling. Mm-hmm. And Tim, his smelling. And his, and his smelling and his... Belling? <laughs> Tim's dad goes his to... telling. Goes to see Alia. He thinks Alia should go. He and Yasmin will buy her out and give her a fair price. She says, not a fucking chance. Alia sees this as being part of the master plan and tells Tim's dad to go fuck himself. Tim's dad says he'll have to do some gardening then. He has some weeds to get rid of. Mm. At home, he's writing more bad reviews for Speedal. He pretends to be upset with this Alia business. And Yasmin thinks that she's highly strung and will have words with her. Tim's dad doesn't know why she's so angry. Maybe it's because she jumps from one business to the other and she doesn't put any effort in any of it. Ugh. It's affecting their business, though. It can't go on, and he tells Yasmin that he thinks Alia should move on. On Friday, 
Tim's dad is complaining about Arya's plan to have story time at Speedal. He has a point. He doesn't <laughs> want Arya to run Yasmin's life. Well, it's earlier in the day when they're not really open. He wouldn't take this off Tim, he says. And she says that she feels the same way and promises to have Tim's dad's back. Something has to change. Tim's dad is off to see a business advisor this morning. Mm. But he's not going to see a business advisor. No. He's going to Rogue's Rolls for a full English. Right. Arya turns up at Speedal and Yasmin... And a very important person who takes no shit from anyone overhears this phone conversation and finds out that he does he's not really going anywhere and getting a full English. Wouldn't it be delightful if Nina <laughs> we can't was have Nina. Tim's dad's downfall? Nina's involved undoing. in every storyline. Because she's making it right. Because she's because she's <laughs> the only one who can make things right. So, where did I get to? Alia turns up English. at Speed Dal and Yasmin is very cool to her. Yasmin says Tim's dad is upset. He didn't want this. Alia's sorry, but she can't ignore what Tim's dad is doing. Yasmin doesn't think Tim's dad is behind the reviews and maybe Alia's bad for business after all. And when Alia protests, Yasmin tells her to shut her fucking mouth. She explains that when Sharif left, losing Zidane and Rana, and she felt so alone and it was Tim's dad who rescued her. Arya says that he's controlling her, and Yasmin insists that Tim's dad loves her, but Arya calls bullshit on that. Right, and she's like, I was so alone, and, and Arya rightly says, Gran, you had me, you had your friends, you weren't alone, and that's very true, she wasn't. Yasmin suggests that she buys uh, Arya's share of the business, and Arya says, you can whistle out of your arsehole for that. Correct. This ain't going to happen. Correct. Back at Speedal, Arya's telling up the receipts. There's a vast anomaly in the numbers. And Tim's dad is in Roy's Rolls and is chatting with Brian about planting Yeah, there's like a thousand dollars missing. Pounds. Yes. Same thing. No, it's not not really. Tim's dad wants to help. I beg your pardon, says Brian, after the last time. I don't think so. And Tim's dad insists that it'll be fine and agrees that Brian will be head chef. Oh, Brian, what's this all about? Back at Speedal again. Alia's missing a thousand, fifty, a hundred. There's all these... Numbers that are missing. Mm-hmm. She instantly suspects Tim's dad. Yes. She thinks that uh, she's getting set up. Ryan suggests that it might be Yasmin and then says that he has more important things to deal with. Which meant Ali. <laughs> I uh, have to deal with my crazy Joker brother. What is Ryan? Batman? No, Roy is Batman. Yasmin is home and cleaning. Tim's dad has news is. from the business advisor that didn't exist who thought they should just who thought they shouldn't buy Alia out. Instead, the business advisor has told them that they should move to Cyprus. To to just sell the whole kit and caboodle and move to Cyprus. So have Alia buy them out? What a great business advisor yeah. that is. Let Alia buy them out and bury the business into the ground, which isn't going to happen because Alia was doing just fine, thank you very much, before Tim's dad even became involved in all of this. Yasmin says that her life is here. He says that her life is with him. I'm it's your about life. time she How put herself front and centre. She's earned it. On reflection, Tim's dad realises that he gets on her nerves. Her friends and family have driven her to drink, plus this shitty wee house. Tim's dad thinks that they deserve but better. Yasmin loves her house. He thinks he's failed her, and he grabs his jacket and leaves. Alia yeah. and Ryan are in the rovers talking about the accounts thing, and Eileen is there to overhear. Eileen reveals that Yasmin isn't herself these days and she tells them about Tim's dad locking her in the box. Which Alia didn't know about. No. How did she not know about this before now? 
How did I, no one tell her about this? So Alia goes around to see her gran and explain that she's worried about Yasmin about being locked in the box and all that. But Yasmin blames herself for that and it was a dodgy lock. Alia isn't falling for this and won't believe any of the excuses Yasmin gives. Yasmin says Tim's dad says that he loves her and Sharif never did that. She asks uh, Alia to leave before Tim's dad comes back and Alia realises that she's scared of Tim's dad and he's controlling her. She offers to be there for her no matter what. Yeah, I will leave just for your protection. Tim's dad comes home for tea. He checks Yasmin's receipt and credits her that she's done a good job. She wonders oh. if they should go to the rovers later and he gets upset about this. Yeah. If Yasmin doesn't want to go to Cyprus, he doesn't want to go to the rovers and he oh. calls her the luckiest woman in the world. And that's how we end this week's episodes. Oh, that was so horrible. And Yasmin's face so much during this whole interaction, you know, because there are a number of times where somebody leaves and she's all alone and she just looks so empty and terrified. Yep. And uh uh, it's just so horrible. It's so, so horrible. But Alia knows now. Well, Alia knew some of this already, but... She didn't know the severity of it. Yeah. A lot but... of things happened this week that really have made up Alia's mind about Tim's dad. Right, but there's not much she can do without... Because she can't seem to be able to convince her grandmother. And Yasmin talking about... How he says he loves me and, you know, and all this other stuff. And, and it's just, it's heartbreaking because it's it's not true. Right. You know, oh, he takes such good care of me. No. No, honey. No, he doesn't. No. You're forced to give him receipts for everything that you buy. Right. He can go at the pub whenever he likes, but you need to be staying home cleaning. Right. He's, he's, he's... Even when she's not locked in a box, she's locked in a box. She is. Yeah. When she's locked in the box, she was locked in the box inside the box because right. he's not letting her leave the house. Right. Hmm. Yeah, they're not, he's not even letting her go to work. Right. So she's separated because, from her friends. Because if, she, if he allowed her to go to work, then she would have noticed the whole accounts thing mm-hmm. that the money was missing. And he doesn't want her to know about that. Right. What's he uh, stealing money for? Cyprus. To move to Cyprus? And also remember, remember he's promised Tim that he's going to pay for oh, his whole wedding. That's right. We didn't get any of that this week. Mm-hmm. Your moment of the week. Canon Eccles. Yes. Yes, that's exactly what I've got written down. Canon Eccles. I remember telling you after Wednesday that I was terrified that we were going to have another Roy and Nina moment of the right, week. And right. people are going to get upset at us right. for just for being so Roy and Nina centric. But I think finally, finally, we can give it to Ken. We've given it to Ken Eccles. quite recently as well. But Did we? Mm-hmm. When? I can't remember. A few weeks ago. No, I don't think we did. Yeah, we did. Oh, I think we gave it to Ken at one point before Sinead died when he had a confrontation with Daniel about the whole Sinead thing. I think we've had Maybe. one more recently than that with someone else. I can't be bothered to anyway. check. Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, Ken and Eccles. Ken, with his old, old hands. And his old, old dog. That reminded us of our dog and me with a less uh, <laughs> sad story about a, a man in his stopwatch. <laughs> That's our moment of the week. Moment of the week. R.I.P. Teddy. Our bo- oh. <laughs> this week's moment of the week is dedicated <laughs> to the memory of Teddy Dog. Theodore, Ruxpin, Roosevelt, Williams broom 
the third. <laughs> to give him his Sunday name. Yes. A boring moment of the week. <sighs> I think we also have to give it to Ken. I'm quite tempted to give it to Ken as well, <laughs> Ken, yeah. Ken and Claudia arguing over books. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Ken. <laughs> Everything's coming up for Ken. Because <laughs> that's our... Ken and Roses. Boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. It is... Oh. Yeah, it's time for me to go and sell more cookies. Right. <laughs> if you've ever been kidnapped in a sports coupe with inadequate trunk space, please call the police. But then remember to drop us a line. We're the talk of the street at gmail.com on email. Same address on Skype for voicemail. Same address on PayPal for a little bit of that dory me in our tip jar, virtual as it is. For other social medias like Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, we are at Corey Podcast. Thank you for making it to the end of another episode. We will be back next week. Next week with more talk, talk of, of the, the street. Bye. Coronavirus notwithstanding. This episode was brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today.